And we have a lot to learn as adults from children with regard to that, to just take something in and to wonder and to ask questions and to not feel like we need to get to the punchline or the lesson too quickly at the end. You're listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast with Carol Joy Side. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Today, we are coming back to Carol's conversation with Russ Ramsey, author of Rembrandt is in the Wind. After talking about the book, Carol turns toward the topic of introducing children to fine art. Russ shares some great insights to doing that, and even a few lessons we adults can learn from children as well. Listen in. So Russ, so any um, thoughts as we work with homeschool families, primarily our, our listeners, not all, but mostly, and how to bring a fresh take to great art um, through the eyes of faith for our children? Like really, what, what do we want our children's takeaway to be from not just living with Hobby Lobby art on our walls, mm-hmm. but, but real art, great art, what, why do we why do we even study art? What what is the spiritual and um, developmental value for our children and ourselves as we study great art? Yeah, I think we're we're people who are made to engage with glory. Um, we're as as believers, it's it's our destiny, right? It's it's our um, that we will be in the presence of the Creator of and Sustainer of the universe forever. Uh, and beauty will be a language that we that we are fluent in. And so any engaging with beauty that we do now um, is in a very real way practice for that day. But also, so much of the world's great art is born out of suffering. So much of the beauty that we see is born out of of struggle and the hardship of living in a world that's broken like this one is. And the stories that great artists tell are stories about navigating the complexity of the difficulty of living in this world. Um, Mm. And so that's part of the, part of the role of beauty uh, in art is that it is a, it's a, it's a form of protest. And, and it's something that, that is effective and we need to look no further than the existence of art museums to know that this is effective because all the great cities in the world have art museums in them and people go to them and they spend an afternoon to just look at these works of art that have been preserved and passed down through the ages. And they're telling us back our story. They're telling us back the story of, of our need for, for healing and redemption. Even, even non-Christian artists, um, are telling the, they are telling the story of what it means to live in a broken world. I think when we're talking with children, um, I, one of the things that I encourage when when I teach children about art is I I ask them what they like about you know if there are any as they're looking at paintings what do you like um, and I think standing in front of a painting and saying I like this one is as valid a form of art criticism as anything and we can be quick sometimes to try to bring in the less the object lesson for children but children one of the things that they give back to us is this reminder that their their imaginations are working um and that they're not really interested in what's the big lesson or the moral to the story but but their minds are just roaming around in the paintings that they see 
And we have a lot to learn as adults from children with regard to that, to just take something in and to wonder and to ask questions and to not feel like we need to get to the punchline or the lesson too quickly at the end. And so this is one of the reasons why it, it for me, if somebody says, you know, um, if somebody were to ask me like, you know, what's good art for Christian children to look at? Um, or, or what are, what's some good Christian art for children to look at? I, I think it's the wrong question. Yes. I think what's good art? Uh, you know, it doesn't need to come from a Christian in order for it to have truth. Um, it doesn't need to come from a Christian in order to be something that's saying something very compelling about um, our need for forgiveness and, and healing and mercy. Uh, there's a chapter, Matt referred to it earlier, uh, on Edward Hopper, yes. where I started reading about Edward Hopper because he managed to capture a, a profound loneliness yes. in New York City. You know, yes. his paintings were mostly set in New York City and it looks like only four people live there sometimes, you know, and it's, and, and I was like, what does he, what does he understand about human loneliness that makes him so compelling as a painter? And I thought that getting into his story, what I would discover is that he, um, had this profound insight into the problem of loneliness. And instead, what I found is he's kind of a monster of a person who made people in his life lonely. Yes. And he was painting the world as he experienced it. Um, and in a way, kind of as he preferred it. Created, or um, as a as he created it. Yeah, as he created yeah. it. And and uh and and there was a um a teacher, I rem I read a story a new story about a teacher who used Edward Hopper's art, who, who showed a bunch of Edward Hopper art to children and asked them kind of what they thought. And they keyed him so quickly on the fact that he was, that the paintings were really lonely and that there was something off about them. And, and it, I mean, that they instinctively were seeing something where they understood he's showing us the brokenness of the world. And even if he's not intending to say anything healing about the brokenness of the world he's showing it to us and, 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 and they truth. were able to talk about that yes and revealing truth yeah. whether whether he's a christian or not what he's revealing is true mm -hmm. and so therefore he's revealing truth to us and we can still benefit yes from his art yep and i think if you're looking you know if you're in museums for example and you're showing children art that's in museums one of the things that you're showing them is work that has somehow risen to a level uh, in the collective human consciousness of this is something that belongs in the Met. Uh, this is something that belongs in the Louvre, you know? And so, um, so that in and of itself uh, is instructive for us to say, well then, okay, why? Uh, why is it, what is it about this painting? And it may not be some deep philosophical or you know, some art theory. It may just be that for people that there's something that moves them when they see it. Um, and that, and that helps them understand their own lives a little bit better. <clears throat> but art, art asks a lot of questions. It tells great stories. And for uh, children, um, one of the reasons I love having it on the walls here is because I believe that one of the things that we do as human beings is we build our own little personal collections of art. Uh, and we do it by connecting with certain paintings. And then when we see that painting in the wild, we see it and, and we feel like, well, that's one of mine. You know, Amen. like like I'm sure that cassette on the wall behind you is is one of yours. That whenever you see an image of that, uh, you're oh, that's that's one of mine. And I have paintings like that that are that are mine. And and for children to begin to do that at an early age, 
Um, That's interesting this... that you're saying that. Excuse me for interrupting you, but yeah, no. Francis Schaefer and Edith taught um, their children, their four children, before they would go to a museum, they gave them a personal relationship with some of the paintings that were going to be in that museum. And mm. then they would say how their children would run through the museum going, I'm finding my painting. I'm finding my painting. Oh, the girl in the blue chair. And then they'd go, it's my painting. It's my painting. And <laughs> we have them sit in the museum and they would have them sketch it. And, they, and the children would say things to Frances and Edith like, it's so much bigger than I thought. Or the blue is completely different than the picture that we had in the book. Or I never noticed that the dog was doing blah, blah, blah. Like they were, because it was their painting, just mm -hmm. like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that just brings me a lot of joy to hear. I, I think that's, that's certainly been, been the story of my own engagement with art over the years. Yes. And it matters because it, it's, it's different than just accumulating data uh, or morals or life lessons. It's it, you know, Flannery O'Connor uh, once said um, that she said, a story is a way of saying something that can't be said in any other way. Love it. And I feel like that's what art is. It's that kind of storytelling where it's it's going to tell you something in a way that's different than if it was a a page of words, uh, and it's going to engage parts of you that are that that are going to be different than you know. It's it's going to engage you in a very very different way, in a very important way, in a way God made us to engage. I'm taking a break from this episode to let you know about our upcoming webinar on October 14th. A lot of times families start homeschooling without defining a philosophy of education first. We remember our own school experience and we try to duplicate that, but we very quickly find it doesn't work. Trying to replicate school at home usually leads to burnout. For mom, for the kids, for everyone. But there's another way. In our seminar, a literature-based approach to education, we teach you the groundwork for why you should homeschool your child and how to do it without doing school at home. On October 14th, my son JJ and I will be teaching a literature-based approach to education in a live webinar. This seminar covers the why of homeschooling, but also the basics of how to do it simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. You'll receive a collection of book lists so you can create your own curriculum. And when you register, you'll have access to the replay for two weeks after the live event. If you feel burdened down by homeschooling, we want to help you take off the heavy backpack and be refreshed for this God-given task. I invite you to join us on October 14th for a literature-based approach to education. Click the link in the show notes to register for the webinar. Now back to the show. Oh, this is so good. Well, Russ, as we close, would you mind praying for the families that are listening as they're guiding their children? Some of them have never thought about art as being a significant part of their child rearing process. Some of them are very adept at it. But would you pray for them to have kind of a freshness. And as they read Rembrandt is in the wind, I hope, I hope they do, um, that it will also kind of um, instill in them a passion to communicate these things with their kids. Sure. Yes. I'd be glad to. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, being a God of glory. 
uh, being a God who, when you created the world, when you created the universe, um, you did so with splendor everywhere, that as these telescopes that we've launched into space are sending back pictures of things we've never seen before, the majesty and the greatness and the wonder of your handiwork is staggering to behold. And, um, and yet we know that it's only a fraction of the glory that you possess in and of yourself. You've made us in your image. You've made us to be people who reflect you uh, and who, who interact in ways that are, that are similar to your nature. And one of those has to do with, with engaging with beauty and wonder. And uh, so, Lord, would you give us a, a curiosity in and of ourselves to want to engage with beauty, uh, to, to not become so pragmatic uh, in life that, that we can't stop and wonder or marvel at a sunset or a cloud formation or a painting on a wall? And then, Lord, from that place, would you lead us then into shepherding and stewarding the hearts of the children that you put in our care? Uh, to encourage in them a sense of wonder and curiosity about the beauty in the world around them. Uh, because it's such an important part of understanding the brokenness in the world around us. Um, that as broken as this world could be, uh, there's beauty everywhere we look. Uh, and there's and, and it's and it's a, a a remnant, a relic of of something that was true before the fall. Uh, that that this world is a, is a place where your handiwork is on display, and uh, and so Father, we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would um, help us to know you better as we engage with art and as we engage with beauty, and and um, reveal more of the depth of your love to us by the fact that it even exists. And uh, I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast with Carol Joy Side. After this conversation, Russ shared a pro tip with Carol on how to get fine art in your house really inexpensively. I thought I'd pass it along to you as well. He said usually used bookstores have old coffee table style books about artists. You can buy one of those on a particular artist or a group of artists and then take it home and unfortunately tear some of the pictures out and then frame them. Voila, inexpensive art to decorate your home. I love that idea. Thanks for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I'm Rachel Winchester. Be sure to join us next time as we help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings. Blessings.